I love being here and bring greetings from our church at uh, Freedom Foursquare, where we're a part of, and we love being there out in southeast Portland. We love making the drive here and seeing all the conservative things that are happening, the signs and everything. It's just amazing coming out to Sandy, Oregon. It's great. Um, Speaking as a part of the series that's going on on Sweet Dreams, this was really cool when Pastor Sam and I talked, and he said, hey, could you fit one in there? And I'm like, man, I, I must admit that I don't know a lot about dreams in the Bible. We all have dreams, but in terms of what the Bible talks about dreams. So I did a kind of a deep dive on dreams in the Bible. Do you know in the 66 books, there's only 20 dreams that are mentioned in there? Most of them, nine of them are in Genesis. Six of them are in Matthew. Three are in Daniel. And then there's one in Judges where Gideon hears the dream and he gets encouraged by those guys. And then there's one we're going to talk about this morning. In most of those dreams, they're uh, encouraged dreams to like, do this, don't do this. So you remember where a dream Joseph wakes up and the angel says, man, you got to get out of here and go. And then in other situations like Laban, Laban, who was the relative of Jacob, God comes to Laban and dream and says, you better not say anything wrong or good or right. Just don't say anything. Just Why don't you just not say anything to Jacob? And, and it's in there. It's pretty great, uh, the dreams that are there. So working through this, thanks for the encouragement to be able to get back there and be able to see this whole thing. So I actually worked through all the dreams and then I opened up your text and said, would you do this one? I'm like, oh, yeah, the one on Solomon, which is awesome. It's great. So we all have experiences with dreams, right? Good dreams, bad dreams. In our family, <clears throat> there's some family lore <clears throat> excuse me, about dreams. I'm going to have my wife, Judy. Everyone say, good morning, Judy. Good morning. My, partner, my partner of 42 years and then... Three, three years of dating, 45 years. And I wondered where my white hair came from. That's right. We're going to get you right over here in front of the camera. Oh. Right over here. Right here. Here we go. There you are. So you've got like 10,000 people that are out there watching. So you want to make sure that you can look right in there. Anyway, so recently um, we have had at our home, Judy's wonderfully reconnected with her family uh, Roger, her brother, Jenny, her sister, Cassidy, last name. And so Roger comes by, and he spends a couple nights with us, dinner, uh, and usually we'll end up falling asleep somewhere in our house, somewhere, wherever it is, Uncle Roger. You all have an Uncle Roger. We have an Uncle Roger. Yeah. <clears throat> so recently, dreaming, kind of tell that story. Yeah, well, he kind of falls asleep in interesting places, and this one happened to be the dining room floor. And he was sober, <laughs> so um, he's just a real uh, interesting, kind of eccentric kind of guy. And he was dreaming, he had so many, he would wake up every now and then, his sleep apnea would wake him up, and he would mumble something or say something crazy. And, but the one that really stuck out was chips, thousands of chips, but no salsa. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay. And, and then there was one. We were pastoring, pastoring in Monterey one time, Central California. I was having, a, uh, I was having kind of a tough time 
You're having a restless night. Restless night, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And you heard me say... Yeah, he was talking in his sleep, too. And he said, you won't get me up on an elephant that prophesies. <laughs> okay. And I, I woke him up, and he was, I was laughing. I think that's what woke him up. And he goes, oh, shows what kind of night I'm having. That's right. That's right. There you go. It's funny, some of those dreams, you still have the remembrance of it. I remember that dream with the elephant. Like, if you've ever been on an elephant, their hair is like wires, and you're, if you have shorts on, you're in trouble. And uh, I remember that dream. I was like, boy, that was a rough night. So dreams are interesting. But this one, series-wise, sweet dreams, where God comes in to a dream, and he speaks to people. Um, Daniel calls one of his dreams, quote, my vision at night. That's a pretty good definition of a God dream, when we have a vision. In fact, some people say that visions are what you experience when you're awake. Dreams are what you experience from God in certain instances when we're asleep. Of course, not every dream is from the Lord. We deal with things, but there are some that are, and they're significant, and they can be they can affect our journey, and they can affect our lives. And certainly, we're going to see this one today can do that. So we have uh, 1 Kings chapter 3. It's going to be up here. I'm working through a, a new Bible, New Living Translation. It's kind of showing me some things that I, I've been the NIV for so many years and just love it and still do. But I'm, I kind of look at a new translation and kind of getting some nuances here. So here we are. You can read along with me if you'd like. And uh, it's a great passage. So 1 Kings chapter 3. Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David, except that Solomon too offered sacrifices and burned incense at local places of worship. Uh, just to kind of interject there, it wasn't that he was burning to other gods. It was that he just was doing it at other places other than in Jerusalem. The temple hadn't been built yet. Here we go. The most important of these places of worship was at Gibeon. So the king went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream, and God said, what do you want? Ask, and I will give it to you. Solomon replied, you showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you, and you have continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne, uh, comma. Isn't it interesting? David has passed away, but Solomon still speaks of him as being alive. We're going to end up getting to heaven, and God's faithfulness will still cascade down into our lives in many, in many cases because of the choice we, we made while we were here, God continues to bless and will bless us for all eternity. I, I love how Solomon just speaks in the here and now about his dad. Now, now, O Lord, my God, you've made me king instead of my father, David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around, and I'm here in the midst of your own chosen people. A nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. Give me an understanding heart 
so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you've asked for. I will give you a wise and understanding heart such as no one else has ever had or ever will have. And I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands, as your father David did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon woke up and realized it had been a dream. He returned to Jerusalem, stood before the Ark of the Lord's Covenant, where he sacrificed burnt offerings and peace offerings. Then he invited all his officials to a great banquet, probably not unlike the women's retreat that's coming up. I'm reading in my Bible this morning, um, morning time with the Lord, and I'm reading Proverbs, and I'm thinking, those were written by this guy, that God intersected his life, the wisest man who ever lived apart from Christ. And this dream starts so much of what was in Solomon's life. So let me try and give you a narrative of this. There'll be some points that come up here. But the first thing that, that grabs me by this is Solomon, kind of like our worship leader. Solomon was this guy, like his dad, that worshiped the Lord extravagantly. How many burnt offerings did he offer? A thousand. And they were willingly given. They weren't prescribed. He didn't do anything wrong to have to do that. He just came up and said, I just want to do this. I want to start this ministry I have, this reign that I have as the king. I want to start it by giving this to the Lord. Remember one time, we were in uh, Central California pastoring, and we had a Friday night prayer meeting. I think we did them monthly. And it was this amazing time where the Lord just kind of showed up, and you're praying kind of unaware of the time. You're just there with God, right? Those are great times. And I think it went to 10 or 11, something like that. I remember driving uh, a Silomar Beach afterwards and then coming home, and I woke up the next morning and my body and my spirit were still kind of affected by the presence of God. If you've ever been on a boat all day, like Lost Lake, and you spend all that time, then you go to bed, and you kind of feel like you're still rocking, right? I felt like that with the presence of God. And I think that Solomon was in that kind of space after he'd sacrificed those those animals to the Lord, that he was just, man, I, the goodness of God, all my life, right? The goodness of God. And so he's sleeping, and then all of a sudden God shows up in his dream. Solomon, what do you want? When we extravagantly worship the Lord and give ourselves to the Lord, God does amazing things to intersect our lives. We're, we're not even expecting it. I remember Jim Zorn, the 
uh, quarterback, I think the first significant quarterback that the Seahawks have. See, I do know things other than about the Niners. I do. Brett Favre was my guy all the way back. Okay, it's all good. But I remember Jim Zorn, he got saved, and he says, you know, God even provides parking spots for me. Those little things we observe that we think are God that other people say, oh, it's just a coincidence. We're like, mm, no, 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 I needed that. God knew I needed that. God does that. And here's what it says in the book of Hebrews. It's impossible to please God without what? Anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and he, what's the word? Rewards those who seek him. So I don't seek him to get a blessing. I seek him because he's good. But when I step into that space of I am not letting go of you, he rewards me. I am not letting go of you. I remember going to Bible school at uh, Life Bible College, and there was this picture of Christ in the chapel that's now this uh, amazing Spanish church uses um, that chapel for their gathering. But I remember this, and this, the picture of Christ that got me so much was his feet. Somehow they got his feet in a way that was so compelling that it, it kind of gives you the picture of when Mary came and just held on to his feet and the feet of God that he makes so wonderful. I'm not going to let go of you, God. I'm not going to let go of, of your feet. I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me. Jacob with the angel, correct? It's impossible to please God without faith. So here's an application out of this narrative. When you've set yourself, your life, to seek the Lord, he'll honor you and reward you by intersecting your life with his presence and his will. So seek God. My favorite line in the Chariots of Fire, if you remember the movie, 1980 picture of the year. My favorite line was where the guy's about, Eric Little's about to run the race, and he's been switched from his 100-yard dash to the 400 meters, which was not his race. And he's just doing it because he couldn't run on Saturday, which was the Sabbath for him, so they gave him a Sunday slot. And this guy comes up and hands him a piece of paper, and he opens it up probably dramatized, dramatized a little bit, but it says, those who honor me, I will honor. And when we honor God, God honors us. Second thing here, and my wife helped me with this one, when God came to him and says, hey, Solomon, what do you want? Ask it, and I'll give it to you. Judy's perspective, and I think it's the right one, is that he needed help to do what he was going to do. He wasn't thinking about this and that and this and <clears throat> wouldn't that be nice. He was thinking about how am I going to do what's in front of me to do? Lord, I need wisdom. I need understanding to lead these people. I'm just, in fact, we read in the, uh, in the situation there, we read that he says, I'm just like a kid. Sam, how old were you when you started youth pastoring? Young. When we started pastoring, uh, pioneering a church, we were 24. 
they come up, and I'm sitting on a stool. The guy says to me, son, where's your, where's your father? The real pastor. I'm like, oh, sorry, that's me. You know, you're so young, you don't know what you don't know, but you do know you need help. That's been one of the saving graces in our marriage is when we come to an impasse, God, we need your help. We need your help with our kids. We need your help with our business. We need your help with ministry. We need our help with neighbors. We need your help. And God loves that kind of dependence where we're coming to him and we're not, we haven't got it all made and figured out. We need your help, God, to do this. Do you remember that in your early walk with Christ? Do you remember that? Those things were everything, everything you're just like, well, what's the Lord want us to buy? That had a letter, so no, that's a little bit too far. But you remember those early, those early times where you're just like, man, I'm just dependent on the Lord, and he's got to come through, he's got to give us a place to live, he's got to give us a job, and he does. And then we talk about it. And other people here, it's like, wow, maybe I can depend on God too. God loves that dependence on it. How did Jesus say it? He says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or right choices, and all these other things will be added to you. I heard it this morning. Your goodness is running after, it's running after me. That's the idea of all these things being added, almost like this wave is coming your way because I'm seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and these other things are being added to us. This picture I'd like to show you here. I just came across this. Isn't that cute? I came across this the other day, and, and now those little guys are 41 and 39, and they've got a brother and sister, and they've got there's grandkids running around. There's my wife, so that's 84. Judy, I think that would make you 25. Yeah, I think that's right. And I look, at, I look at the fact that, gosh, we had hardly, that was at our uh, Judy's parents' place after we'd come up and we're still down pastoring, but we came up and saw them here in northeast Portland. And I just look at that. You don't know the pain you're going to go through in life. You don't know. The, the kids are just happy, and that's everything, right? It's just your kids are happy. Life is good. Don't own a house. You know, got to whatever you're driving, but you've got each other. And I think Solomon, by prioritizing the right things and say, God, just give me wisdom to lead your people. Just give me wisdom to know the difference between right and wrong. Boy, could our political leaders use that prayer right about now. The wisdom to not make agreements that are going to hurt me later. The wisdom to know what's the right thing to do right now. I miss that in bold leadership in our world. Thank God for some leaders that God is raising up. You look around the world, you go, thank God for the leadership in some of these countries. And may that be true in our country and state. Amen. May God do that. Raise up those leaders, Lord, that want to do what's right and know with your help the difference between right and wrong. So it's, it's good, applying this point, it's good to stay dependent on God. And seek him about all things that he'll take care of our needs. So not only seek God, but Jesus says, seek God first. Yeah, true. Lastly, 
on this dream, I find it really interesting. He's pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. Then he, he says, I'll do all these other things, give you riches and fame. Nobody will be compared to you your whole life. And then he kind of adds this, God adds this thing at the end that's interesting to me. Verse 14, he says, and if you follow me and obey my commands, my decrees and my commands, as your father David did, then I'll give you a long life. Almost like he's downloaded this whole amazing thing to Solomon. And then he says, but you've got a part two. I'm going to give you all this wisdom. I'm going to give you this stuff. I'm going to give you a tremendous family. I'm going to give you everything you've got. But you've got this journey. You're going to walk with me. And that's on you. Jesus said it this way, Matthew 16. If any of you wants to be my, what's the word? Disciple, follower. You must give up. I love this. You must give up your own way. Take up your cross. That's the hard calling that each of us have. And follow me. I remember when Judy was, when we had those two kids, then three kids, then four kids. You have all those kids. What's your devotional life like? What devotional life? Where do you get it? I just put Bibles in all the bathrooms, and for a moment, I get a little bit of time with God until they start banging the door down. How long did that go on? Too long. It's a, it's a cross, ladies, moms, you bear. God bless you. And now we meet people that are raising their grandkids, right? And taking grandkids in at 60s and raising these kids for the glory of God. It's an amazing thing. But Jesus said, if you try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you'll find it. That's right. That's right. That's right. I know we all have jobs and occupations. I know we all have things that we feel like, I have to do that. But in the economy of God, I think he's parceled us out to where he wants us to be just perfectly. Paul said in this sermon, he says, God has prepared the places where we should live and the exact times of our existence. So he's put us where he wants us, and now we get to live this long view of trusting God in this life. Someone has said, life is God's gift to us. What we do with it is our gift to him. Isn't that good? Life is God's gift to us, like those little kids we saw there. But what we do with our life is what we offer him. Sadly, you go a little bit later in the book of 1 Kings and you find that Solomon has married hundreds of women. He has hundreds of wives and porcupines, kids used to say, concubines. And the writer of Kings says, and, they, and this, is, this blows my mind, and they turned his heart. This guy that had this dream, that had the, the greatest wisdom ever, that searched out scientific issues that built the temple of God, that built this palace, that did these great projects, that wrote Proverbs and Song of Solomon and Ecclesiastes. This guy, his heart 
begins to turn because he didn't remember and fully commit himself to what God said, which is, hey, if you walk with me your whole life, if you obey my word, my decrees, I'll be with you like I was with your father, David. That scares me. That scares me that this guy that had this intersection of his life with this amazing, sweet dream at the end of his life is wavering on his absolute devotion to Yahweh. We need to remember that God watches over every area of our life. He's never far from us. He's only a breath prayer away. One of my friends that uh, sponsored me into the job I have now uh, for 11 years at where I work, in addition to doing this most fun of things here with you this morning. But when I prayed with him back in the day, and still when I pray with him, and he prays for people, and he prays for his kids, his name's Ed, he says, Lord, watch over them. Lord, look over them. And his prayer reminds me that God's just right here over our lives. Listen to Psalm 121. I look up to the mountains Where does my help come from? My help comes from who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will never slumber or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord keeps you from all harm and watches over your life, Tammy. He does. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and you go, both now and forever. God wants us to walk with him always and to finish well. So we heard, seek God, seek God first. So seek him always. Yeah. Can you pray with me? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Reese asked me to, if I had a sense that the Lord wanted to insert just a little bit, that I could come up. So, (laughs) Um, something that struck me about Solomon that made him so different from his father was when David fell into sin with Bathsheba, he came back to the Lord. And a prophet spoke to him, and God intersected his life, and David responded. Solomon was so up in his head. You know, we get up in our head way too much. We try to plan out everything. We think we know the best way to save for our retirement or whatever it is, whatever pressures or needs arise. We, we try many times to figure those answers out for ourselves. But there's a helper, the Holy Spirit. How many of you know who he is? You know, come on. Without him, we would all be like Solomon. There would be no hope for us. There would be no answer, no escape, no deliverer. It, it just blows me away that God loved us enough that not only did he set his, send his son and allow him to be killed, but then he gave us this huge gift. And if we are wise, we develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit and we listen to him. He will keep you from missing out on your dreams. Those dreams are God-given, and the devil 
does not want you to fulfill your dreams. He does not want you to succeed. He wants you to feel like, I missed it. He wants you to have regrets. We all have those. But there's still time, right? We're still here. We're still kicking. We can, we can take up the, the next phase of our life and ask the Holy Spirit to help us do whatever it is that he's asking us to do. I don't want those regrets to dog me. I want to embrace the things that he's now putting in front of me. They may be different than the original ones I failed in or blew past or didn't even hear, but it's still my responsibility and the calling of God is still on me and on you to respond when he speaks. And just like David did, he, he and, and Solomon originally, I can't do this on my own. You, know, you have to show me what to do. And there's, there's a laying down of that too in your life, of things that may be hindering you. So just a little encouragement. Maybe, maybe you can pray for us. That, uh, can you just, if that spoke to you, would you just lift your hands out in front of you? And uh, Judy, pray. us have made sacrifices in our lives that we thought were enough. And Lord, those things maybe have fallen by the wayside. Maybe we've neglected areas in our life that you've called us to. But Lord, we know that you are faithful. You're merciful. You're kind. Your mercies are new every day. So Lord, help us just to pick ourselves up and take that next step and not look back, not waste time regretting things, Lord. We we just reject that right now in Jesus' name. Father, give us an anticipation that you still want to use us. We're not too old. We're not too incapacitated. We're not too limited because you reside in us and all things are possible with you. So, Lord, even in this crazy state we live in, Lord, we ask you, to do the impossible, turn the hearts of people back to you. Yes, turn the hearts of the parents yes, to their Lord. children. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. And turn the hearts of the parents to the unborn. Yes, Lord. Yes, God. Do that, Lord. Do that, Lord. Do that. Yes, Lord. God, raise up your church to take a stand, Lord, for what's right and true. Help us to push back lies and deception of the enemy. Lord, give us your words. Give us your love. We love you, Father, in Jesus' name.